recorded live from the mats of Radical MMA in New York City, the Martial Culture Podcast. Your source for in-depth combat sports and martial arts insights with, with Coach, Coach Renee Dreyfus and, and Matt Peters. Peters. Ring the bell and let's, let's get, get it, it on. on. Let's get it on. Renee? Matt? How's it going? Great. Great to see you after a week's break. Yeah, people uh, loved the last episode. It's doing very, very well. The one with uh, Steve? Yeah, Dr. Oh. Sundaraj. Yeah, 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 it's doing very, very well. Um, so we needed to take a week off so people could catch up and listen to all the backlogs of everything that we've yeah. been doing over the last couple of weeks. I- I'm sorry that we missed we missed the commentary on the Kevin Lee fight, though. That was pretty amazing. Amazing fight. Amazing, amazing fight. fight. What's your, what your take on, on that Cole card? He looked so good. Kevin Lee. He yeah, was so great. athletic. Uh, he had good stamina. I, I was very. I wasn't super surprised because he's always been a great fighter. Yeah, but yeah. I was very excited to see this level, and I'm very excited to see where he goes next. No, there was a time where I felt the 155 division was like not not as not as vibrant as it used to be, mm-hmm. and I think that's why there's a little opening for Conor McGregor, and. Um, but now you, you have guys coming up who are just stone-cold killers and great in every aspect of the game. And one thing uh, that that Im- impressed me tremendously was um, Kevin Lee's ability to take that shot. Did you did you see um, the spinning wheel kick that he got caught in? Yes, I did. Yeah, yeah. And then he just, he just went from getting almost knocked out and instantly he shot. And what that is is like years and years and years of just practice and heart and determination. And he, um, he went... I thought, you know, that doctor who stopped the fight for the cut, obviously the fight was not going that Barbosa's way, but I think it was a little early because um, it seemed like he could still see. But anyway, you know, it's not bad to err on the side of fighter safety. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. It, was all, it was a good fight all around. But yeah. before we go any further, well, the, the yeah. voice from the other side yes. of the room, we should introduce <laughs> our, our <laughs> special guest, yeah. uh, Renee, do the honors and give him the, the due he s- deserves. This is uh, my really great friend uh, and student, um, but I learned just as much from him as he learns from me. Uh, his name is Eugene Lin, and he has uh, been doing martial arts almost all his life. And in so many different martial arts, uh, and he's a, a honored me by having for the last ten years uh, trained with me in, in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu and MMA, because he's always such a such a, the consummate student. It, one martial art is not enough. This man has mastered so many, and it's just great to have him on the show. And we just kind of want to discuss. Um, you know, we always talk about arm martial arts, but I'd like to – Eugene is a, a knife-fighting master, so yeah. – uh, Yeah, he's going to say I'm not a master. <laughs> Did but... you bring your knives with you? <laughs> uh, no, 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 I didn't. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That's probably for but, the best. But uh, I want to talk – you know, just change the, change the subject a little bit and talk about – you know, we talk about self-defense, but if we're talking about self-defense, we have to include a, dis- a, a concrete discussion of knife-fighting arts. And he is, you know, an amazing um, uh, d- dis- uh, understanding of these disciplines – um, both Western and Eastern, but but Eugene, uh, uh, tell us a little about yourself, buddy. Well, uh, okay. Uh, hey, thanks for that. Uh, the kind <laughs> words and the introduction. All that true. Was, that was great. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, my name's uh, Eugene Lin, um, and yeah, as as uh, Renee has mentioned, I've been uh, uh, a martial arts enthusiast for a while. Um, Knife master, indeed. No. Um, <laughs> okay, okay. So all right. Then well, you, the, you started. What martial art did you start with? Well. Okay, I, I actually started off with uh, Jeet Kune Do. Right, know, right. Yeah. We're um, here in New York? Or? Uh, yeah, here, here in New York, uh, New York Martial Arts Academy, yeah. which still exists. In yeah, a, no, they like, have like, a, a, like in a forum yeah. out there, yeah. Um, somewhat different location, but uh, yeah. Um, 
and then that's actually how I got involved in uh, you know Filipino martial arts. That's, but did you you said. you did fencing? Did you do fencing before Jeet Kune Do or is that after Jeet Kune Do? Oh, well, what happened is that um, was it in terms of yeah yeah there we go in in terms of like uh, you know like team sports like combative uh, mm. you know combative sports it was fencing first yeah um, I, d- I did that when I was at uh, Johns Hopkins right um, great team um, it was the first time that. Uh, it was actually the first time that I'd piled into a, uh, a van and gone like up and down the coast looking for you know like oh let's go to VMI we're going to VMI oh, let's go. You know, what, so, what yeah. is VMI oh uh, Virginia Military Academy oh you know, for the fencing yeah, yeah, for the fencing right right and and, and so you've done fencing Jeet Kune Do um, and your main knife fighting style is Dikiti Tirsia well right? yeah um, and also have, Wing Chun as well right right uh, like most like a lot of people in the uh, like in the early nineties. Um, JKD was the uh, the gateway to things like Wing Chun, right. uh, to, to things like uh, G, um, to, uh, to to Filipino Kali, you know, Screamer, as, as well as as well as other things like uh, you know, Sea Lot. Although I never right. really did Sea Lot, that was uh, that 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 was other people's. I, I, yeah, it was really interesting mm-hmm. when we. I want to just get the introduction over a little bit, but sure. I you know uh, really interested in talking to what are those differences are, because I'm not really so so knowledgeable about it. But anyway, um, I want to say I, I just interrupt this guy a little bit. I want to say this guy is pretty amazing, all right? Um, not just as a martial artist, but, you know, everybody talks about, you know, not having enough time to train. And I can't tell, tell how many times people are like, yeah, I don't have enough time to train, blah, blah, blah. So Eugene is actually, he graduated John Hopkins uh, in pharma, medical studies and became a pharma, pharmacologist. And then uh, uh, didn't tell anybody, but entered law school <laughs> and never missed training, never missed a day of training, training like regular, and the guy's working full-time, full-time, going to school pretty much almost full-time, right? Yeah. It was and full-time. training and not moaning about it like a little wussy. He <laughs> comes in, gives his best, and I'd be like, Eugene, are you, did you sleep last night? He's like, no. <laughs> Well, there were uh, if, if you remember, there were there were a bunch of mornings when um I was I would I would kind of wind up to the front desk and it was like my uh, my my forehead would hit the table. And <laughs> that was uh, that was just lovely. But the man, the man, because I want to say it's been a little late, but congratulations on graduating a law school and passing the bar. Oh, well, oh hey, thanks for that. Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah that's so, so uh, amazing. A f- your pharmacist, lawyer, well, well, knife master, fencer. One could you know, one could argue that uh, it's like you know, man, you just you know. You just n- never succeeded at anything, right? You got to have something all the time. Like, what, what's up with this guy? I think you succeeded everything. <laughs> yeah. What's next? Um, well, uh, ho- hopefully what's next is uh, uh, a little bit of vacation. Oh. No, I'm kidding. Um, no, please, no. take a vacation. Take a break. <laughs> you want to sit in the corner over there for the rest yeah, of the yeah. day? Um, yeah. I, was it, uh, there's this uh, this health lawyers association thing that I do, and um, – uh, was it they're looking for like a volunteers to help with this uh, like like an opioid addiction? Oh wow, like that's amazing! Look at I, you. I don't know how much I'm going to work on it. You know, yeah. like, we'll see. But well, yeah, that, yeah, that's fantastic. Cool, yeah. 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 But, see, yeah. and community oriented too. My <laughs> gosh! But, um, and uh, ladies, are you single? Oh, good lord! Because <laughs> <laughs> your resume reads and, very uh, well. And Matt, how old do you think he is? How old do you think he is? Take a guess. Twenty six. <laughs> yeah, right. Sure, thanks. Um, okay. Uh, <laughs> Tell him how old you are, Gene. Um, I'm 49. No 49. way. Yes, yeah. Get right. out of here. Yeah, yeah, he's 49. Turn off your mic. Get out. You're not 49. <laughs> yeah, 49. Okay. Yeah, he's a year older according, than me. According to my uh, uh, driver's license anyways. Yeah. Wow. And this is like good, great martial arts living is that you, you, 
you know, he Eugene. It, I don't tell him this so much because as a teacher, you can't like you know say too many good things. He's your favorite student. student. No, right. but we you know, he epitomizes what it means to be a dedicated martial arts. Not you know, I, we were talking about like not so interested in competing in MMA or things like that. Maybe who knows? But he's more interested in the day to day, getting better one percent, not making excuses, and doing the best he can. And you know, there's some days where I'm on him like crazy. I'm like, why are you messing this up? You know, because that's just kind of the way I am. Mm-hmm. But you know, he he just. He's like, you know, the little engine that could or the, the big hulking engine. That could, you know? <laughs> I think next you should write a book. Yeah. You know, you really should. But um, before we go on to the to really talking to Eugene, and thank you for that wonderful introduction. Yeah, Eugene, I hope you don't be mind quiet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'll, I'll step to the side now. <laughs> no, but I want to say congratulations on that USC to my friend David Branch. Um, did you see his fight? No. You, so you're Dave, friends with David Branch? Yeah, yeah. We used to train together. He's, remember we talked about that when he fought Luke Rockhold? So David, oh, right. David Branch and I used to train a little bit together as, as Blue Bolts, and we're great friends. And I have absolute tremendous respect for him. He unfortunately uh, did not come with the W against Luke Rockhold uh, a while ago, but he came back and fought um, uh, Maleta, um, who is a dangerous knockout artist. I mean, unbelievable. And everybody thought he was going to lose. And he wound up pure, beautiful Beautiful basics, just overhand, boom, knocked him out. And just absolutely fantastic boxing. And I'm so happy to say that he's back on the W track. And he he's the one who's going to be, you know, he's the World Series of Fighting Champion. And he, uh, unfortunately, he's, he's had some, some you know, difficulty in the UFC, getting, getting used to the venue maybe, mm-hmm. and upping his training. But he's doing great. And I was really impressed uh, with the just extremely technical display of boxing. Um, this just absolutely beautiful. It was, if you look at the replay, it was like it just like like he touched his jaw and pump the guy just went out. And um, which brings us to that was you know the one we missed, which brings us to the big news. It was Frank Mir and uh, and Fedor, and everybody counted Fedor out on this one, and he came out with the KO win, which was pretty amazing. Yeah, never count Fedor out. Never count Fedor out. Don't never pull count. on Superman's cape. And <laughs> never count Fedor out. <laughs> and uh, it was it was unbelievable, and is the you know the the the, the, I think it was an uppercut or hook, the hook from hell. It was, it was, I think it was a hook, right? Just, bah, and just, just knocked him senseless. And one thing about that position, and this is this is a criticism of jiu-jitsu, is we don't value the spiral turtle control as a valid back control. Whereas if you notice when a person's on all fours and you're on the side and you have a hip control on them, that is statistically one of the highest knockout percentage positions in, in MMA. And in most grappling arts, it's not valued as a control position. Hmm. But you're very, very vulnerable. And not only did he hit him with the hook, but when he went down, he hit him with, I think, four consecutive uppercuts <laughs> from underneath the armpit. And and let me tell you, you don't want Fedor cocking his arm back you know, into <laughs> Iowa and uppercutting you. So it was just, it was yeah. just another show of, of, uh, 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 of how MMA grappling – is different from 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 regular grappling. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, it was it was short, and it, and it started with a with a with a big punch. But but still, Anthony Johnson was someone who, from that position, also um, has lost from that position too. Um, you know, the, the it goes back to Matt Serra was just in, in, inducted in the Hall of Fame. But if you look at Matt Serra's loss and his rematch to George St. Pierre, the entire fight was him being controlled in turtle and eating knees to the ribs. Just it's a hard hard fight to watch. You mm-hmm. think he probably broke like a bunch of ribs, but but you know, turtle control is something that is not scored in in jiu-jitsu, but, but kind of should be when we expand to thinking about more MMA jiu-jitsu. And that yeah. was kind of my take on that fight. So what, is, uh, what does Mir do next? Does he start a podcast and retire? Or does well, he... no, no, it's part of the tournament. So now he's fighting oh, Mir. Yeah, yeah, he's fighting uh, the winner of King Mo and Bader. 
So they or no King Mo and Bader, the winner of that fights the winner in their bracket, and then they meet in the championship. So it's like I think the next one, you know, the last one was um, Chael San. Oh right, right. Amir's gonna um, Fedor. Fed- oh, so Mir's Mir retires, but uh, sorry, Fedor fights Chael Sonnen. That's right. That's what happens. Mir Mir's out of the tournament. Right. Mir goes home. Yeah, Mir goes home. Right. Mir. Yeah, Mir does does uh, goes back to his motorcycles. <laughs> No, he's, you know, that's why he's kind of, like, not as good as he used to because he had a big motorcycle accident. All right. How old is Frank Muir? I just, I need to I know. I have no idea. He's he's younger than me, I'm sure. I would I, say he's he's older than everybody in this room. I think he's 37, probably. 38. 38? 38, okay. yeah. Well, I'm 10 He doesn't look 38. I'm 10 years old. We just had a conversation about age, and, you yeah. know, Eugene looks like he's 25. And how old are you, Matt? <laughs> I'm not... I'm not one to play the guessing game. I'm 34. You're 34. Com- com- no, no, you look very young. You have a very young face. If I shave my face, I look like I'm 22. Yeah, you have a. Have but a... then I just look weird. <laughs> I accidentally say, shaved my face once because I had the. I was. I got. It's a weird story. I woke up too early. I was really tired. I was uh, doing the like clippers. Yeah. I had it set at the lowest setting, so I had no hair left. <laughs> I came out of the bathroom and I said I made a mistake, and my wife was like. Ugh. She did not like it. So it took me about a week to get back to normal. But right. I digress. Anyway, so so just that's um that's uh you know, going over the fights this this past weekend and the weekend before and it was um a real display of uh, on Kevin Lee's part of great grappling, uh, mere MMA grappling and just impressive. And and the whole Bellator show uh uh showcased some people, Rafael Lovato winning with, with grappling, um with jujitsu technique and um uh, Dylan Danis, who I'm not really a big fan of, but he did win. Though his opponent was two and four, wasn't exactly the highest level opponent. But you know, for his first fight, that's that's a, that's definitely a win and good for him. Um, and um, so yeah, and then the Neiman Gracie, we were talking about the Gracies. Neiman Gracie is doing very well in Bellator, and and kind of the only Gracie actively, you know, uh, uh, fighting at this moment. But you know, he had a, a really impressive win. So it was a real night of night of of, of grappling and um, and and. Uh, Fedora's MMA grappling and just and Kevin Lee is a force to be reckoned with with his yeah. takedown game. We so. just got a request from one of our fans that we never talk about Bellator ever again. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird; it just popped up on the screen. Really? Well, they you said, know, don't I kind of don't do maritime. Uh, I can kind of understand that that it's Bellator's like you know the inbred cousin of the UFC. You know, it's <laughs> they weird take that... they take all the rejects from the UFC and bring them in. The username but, but they for have the some, uh, good guys. The username for the the fan was D White. I don't know what that means. D- oh, D- I don't know who that is. It could be anybody. Uh, could be anybody. Uh, could be anybody. <laughs> I see. Anyway, but but getting back to to, to Eugene and and your <laughs> martial journey because that's really what I want to talk to you. So you start started in fencing in Jeet Kune Do, oh, yeah, and then yeah. you moved on to um, well, well, no, yeah, well, go ahead. So, so yeah, so so what happened is that the um, was it? Yeah, yeah. I, I fenced for a while, and that was that was very cool. Um, and then, uh, and then, you know, after school, uh, you know, I found you know Jeet Do, and it, you know, like, and of course, I went with a you know, friend of mine. And um, after like I think like a year, I was the only guy. You know, like left, he, he, yeah. he'd left, and I was yeah. and I was still around. And um, I actually I actually stuck around for uh, you know for a bit until that until the initial incarnation of uh, of you know like uh, Naima closed. And um, but by that time, um, a buddy of mine was. And I were like, hey, yeah, you know, let's let, let's see if we can find some like something not the equivalent of this, but let's start exploring, you right, know, right, uh, right. you know, like different aspects of uh, you know the martial arts. So we wound up uh, we wound up going to this uh, Golden Globes gym, um, was it on, on Queens Boulevard? Uh, that was that was that was fun. Um, I'd never done like actual you know just a flat out boxing before. Everything that I learned, I'd learned from. Uh, was it uh, you know like a JKD aspect? Yeah, Savati you know. kind of oriented. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, 
that was uh, that was a bit of an eye opener. Um, I I claim no uh, true um, boxing knowledge, although what I will say is that you know just by being there and by uh, you know you get your knocks, you know, right, like, right. You, know you, you absorb, you absorb for yeah, sure. Yeah, exactly. That was uh, yeah. And then and, and then the you know the, the next step was you know Wing Chun, um, and that ha- and that happened basically uh, because a friend of mine. Uh, met a, a Wing Chun instructor on the uh, on the trains of New York, yeah, and and we wound up uh, we wound up like um, striking up a friendship with him, and the rest of that was basically just like Wing Chun for uh, many many years. Yeah, while well, that was happening though, um, was it, we met uh, this w- one fellow who did uh, Dikiti Tertia. Um, a shout out to uh, was it Eric Shute out in uh, uh, was out in Newark, and that. Was Dikiti Tertia, as you said, which was a, was it's like a, it's not an offshoot of uh, Pekiti Tertia. Um, the the two arts are actually, uh, they were they were kind of like the same art for a while, uh, but um, was it uh, one fellow uh, was Nene Tertao, um, was it and the other fellow uh, Leo Gahe. They they went on separate paths. Separate, yeah, decided yeah, like to go their own thing. And, right. and, they, you know, and those, for the guy, listeners don't know mm-hmm. that these are two uh, Kali arts or scream or Kali. Right. Uh, well, okay. The, yeah, this, yeah, that's this, a, that's this, a question. Yeah, but but knife fighting right. arts is a Filipino tradition. Yeah. The right. basically these, these are all family arts to to one extent or another. And um, and what happens is that you know like the uh, the names Kali Eskrima, you know uh, uh, was it these these things are largely um, was it they're they're not really uh, indicative of, of you know like like you know what's in it you know the uh, one one could argue that uh, you know scream Macaulay, etc these are kind of like made up names you know really really that's no, interesting yeah. I, I'd mm-hmm. like to get back to that point yeah. um, and so how long but later yeah. but like what what is the yeah. difference between the styles oh. but but w- how long have you been doing Dikiti Tertia oh so uh, let's see you know, good gosh uh, so I started in, yeah it was a while ago 2006 so it's been yeah it's been like 12 years wow that's uh, amazing that's yeah, a long time um, uh, just a uh, I also did some Pekiti Tertia as w- you know as well, but that's uh, you know that I haven't spent as much time doing you know like that's like seminars. Um, I know right, right. I know guys who do Pekiti Tertia, you know. Um, although what I will say is that I really do like Pekiti Tertia's um, training method. You know, it's the the um, the stuff gets broken down in a in, in a way that I like. Um, Dikiti Tertia, which is a great art, and um, I still practice practice it to this day. Um, it has a their training methods are good, but um, it's a lot more like energy drills to to one extent or another. Right, you right. know, you're uh, you know, and a lot of the application actually comes from like like you having a having a uh, uh, relationship with your teacher. You know, uh, we'll, I see, you know, we'll I see, go I see, like, oh yeah, by the way, this is how you actually do it. <coughs> you know, it's it's funny you should because I had some similar experiences in in the karate world. It's like. You go through the, the instructor motions, but you don't really learn until you kind of sit down with your instructor and he says, well, this is how you do it. Right. And, and so there's, there's something, I think a lot of these styles, including boxing, where, where you, know, you really only learn in the one-on-one mentorship. And yet they've been transitioned to a classroom model. Right. And, um, and so there's only so much you can absorb from the classroom model, like the, the group model of like 10 guys there, or 12 or whatever, maybe 50. Uh, and I know karate suffered from this because it became, you know, the old Okinawan teachings were always one-on-one or two-on-one. And it was your family art. And then when it transitioned to Japan, it became uh, um, more like a calisthenic, like a gym class kind of feel. Like it was right, a group yeah. art. 
And um, because there's only so many people you can teach in one-on-one privates, right? And so I think a lot of nuances were were lost. And when you sit down with your instructor, you're like, oh. And um, but anyway, so I want to get back to to knife fighting. Okay. So so you you you're really interesting because you have this Western fencing experience. And you have the the Filipino experience. And when you're doing Wing Chun, did you do any of the Wing Chun weaponry as well? Well, um, I yeah. I mean, Wing Chun weaponry is like you know like the yeah, the butterfly the butterfly swords, swords, right, right, and the uh, and and that and that really really long pole they do. Um, was it that was largely done for conditioning? Um, although once again, uh, when I it's like when you when you ask your teacher, you know, uh, it's like you know, okay, fine. So what exactly did they do? Right, you know, right, right. Um, you get a uh, you, you get a, a bit more of a window in um, the the actual fencing tradition. Um, in some cases, um, some some instructors they either won't tell you or they don't really know, which is perfectly fine. You know, um, it's like okay, you know, yeah, sure, you, these things can be used for conditioning, you know, and to um, and, and to bring out like uh, you know superior attributes and right, in terms right, of right. like empty hand. Mm-hmm. But the uh, but the truth of the matter is that the there is a fencing tradition out there, and it tends to be. It tends to be pretty ruthless. I mean, all if you think about it, you know, like all edged weapon arts are, are ruthless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are, are pretty yeah. ruthless because it's like, oops, you know, maybe <laughs> I slit, slit your throat. Or, <laughs> or, to be, no, no, or, or to be more speci- or to be more specific, you're in a situation where um, it's like the, these things were developed in like third world countries, for lack of a better for lack of a better term. And it's like, okay, fine, he's got a knife too. Or to be more specific, he's got a gun. Yeah, right, right. right or right. he's you know, or he's got a buddy. Yeah, and there, you know, like, and and things are and, and things are not going to go down in a very very pretty way. Right. So that, hence, yeah, that's you know. another interesting thing is that most Japanese martial arts transition from the jitsu to the do, which is oh. like you know there are ruthless fighting arts, um, but in the turn of the nineteenth to the twentieth century, they said this is not productive way of training for our youth, so they were defanged at some level, made into uh, holistic training methods that could be sportized. And and then, you know, I think the Gracies were like, wait, wait a minute, you know, we want to keep this more fighting tradition, which is one of, one of the reasons, I think, why they, they kept the jiu-jitsu term. Obviously, there's many reasons, but, but you know, the, the, the do, like karate do or, you know, um, kempo jitsu, which is another word for, you know, striking arts of, of sure. Okinawa, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, jitsu versus do. Jitsu is like the, the technique, and do is like a larger, more spiritual way. And even Kano, when he created judo, he's like, let's leave jiu-jitsu behind. Let's, um, let's like, strive to be good citizens. And I always compare judo to being, like, in the Boy Scouts. And, <laughs> and definitely, definitely Filipino martial arts, eskrima, and any, any knife fighting martial art, they don't have that. They're like, I'm here to kill you. <laughs> well, well, what, well, what yeah. I'd say is that um, a lot of the a lot of this material has been um, modified for uh, you know for consumption mm-hmm. by like other martial arts. So, so as an example, it's uh, Pekiti Tertia made its rounds by well, number one by JKD, right. but um, but it was taught on a seminar circuit to various like karate schools. Right, 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 right. So, right, right. Uh, what would happen is that. They develop a form, or a you know, or or, or they would uh, you know create a, like sixty four taxes is essentially that. Uh, more on that later, but uh, number one, it's, it's it's a great form if you know what it is. Um, so what happens is that they would develop these training methods so that they could teach the um, these 
movements at these schools. And then it's like, oh, you know what? When I come around in three months, right. I'll show again, you that. Again, I'll it's show the issue of large-scale teaching. Yeah. Like, you, yeah. know, you don't have this one-on-one mentorship. So exactly, how do you yeah. transmit this knowledge? Exactly. Especially in ages before you know yeah. YouTube and things like that. Exactly, exactly. So um, from what I understand, and this is just from what I've like, I've got like a like a bit of a peek into into that world. Uh, I never really lived in it. Uh, what would happen is that these were all family arts to begin with. So you didn't really learn by saying, okay, fine, we have these sets and right. we have these motions and we have this and what have you. You know, you learn from your uncle. Yeah. And he would teach you one thing. And then you would, then, but you would have more than one uncle, right? You know, like in a, um, was it, um, you know, you'd have like eight uncles. Right, you know, right, and right. Whether, whether or not they were, you know, like related to you. Yeah, and, uh, you know, like, you know, seventh uncle would teach you this and sixth uncle would teach you right, that right. and, you know, blah, 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 and so on and so forth. And, you know, and then, you know, like, and um, was it by the time you were like a teenager, you know, it's like, oh, you, you knew quite a lot. But it's not like, you know, like the the, uh, the learning was much more organic in that yeah. fashion. No, you know, you know actually, I would say it's, it's it's reminds me of Gracie family's origin story where you'd had Healy and Gracie, who was known as the guard guy. And you had Hickson, who was known as the pressure guy. And in the Machados, who I trained with, you know, Hegan was the passer. And John Jocks was the the tricky guard fighter. Hojer was Hojer Machado was the more the mental training guy, and everybody had their little role. And you learn from each guy a little bit. I, I didn't train sp- that much. With, I didn't train really mm-hmm. with anybody other than Hegan Machado. And and to then I wasn't training regularly, like because um, I didn't live in California. But when I trained with him, it was almost all with him. But every now and again, one of the other brothers would drop by, and you'd say, "Oh, here's a different look." And you're right, it, it becomes more organic. Um, and I think jiu-jitsu still has that, that element where sometimes you learn from the senior student who's really good at triangles or this or that. Uh, but, but you're right. I mean, when you're teaching a large amount of people, you have to codify it in some way. But what, it's interesting, what gets lost in that codification? What details? This is why Hickson said he would never make a DVD set. Oh, I see. He, he changed. Yeah. He, he's coming out with the, the instructionals right now. But um, he said... And, and again, to reach people, but but he said I would never teach other than one on one for many years, because he's like I can't teach, I can't actually teach it unless I'm there, feeling your energy, feeling what you do, mentoring you. And he, Ellie Gracie was the same way. He's like, people don't realize when you when you went to the Gracie Academy in the fifties, it was all one on one training for the first year. You, you didn't do anything but privates, oh, so yeah. uh, you, there was no class. So, but then you can't reach them. And, and people might not know, but Ellie Gracie wound up going. The academy wound up going bankrupt. They couldn't pay the bills. You can't you can't pay the bills. So it's like it's like when you enter modern society, you have to change a little bit. It, it the organic structure it, it goes away because you're dealing with too many people. Yeah, I, I mean, and I'll, I'll, and I'll just like wax like mm. educational just for a moment, mm. just because I was just in school, right? Yeah. <laughs> so when you uh, was it, when you when you know, like you, know, uh, you got some class, you know, when you whatever it is, in constitutional law, you know, <laughs> yeah, whatever, and um, you know, and you get handed the syllabus, right? And this thing is like. Like 15 pages along or whatever, and you know, you, but when you take a look and w- was it number one, you get the idea that this is all you need to know, all right. Um, but number two, you also know that you're not going to learn all of it over the course of uh, you know over the course of the semester. This is aspirational, right? Right. right. So um, if you combine those two attitudes in martial arts, it seems to me, okay, what happens is that you wind up with this like constantly dwindling um, basis of, inf- of of knowledge. Because it's like, you know, you codified this thing, and to one extent or another, even if you didn't tell anybody that this is all you need to know, that's, that's going to be an attitude for, for, for some, if not many. Yeah. And then what's going to happen is, over time, 
um, let's say over the course of uh, I don't know, like you know, like four years, four years. Yeah, well, no, actually, I'm not even talking about decades. I'm talking yeah. about like four years, five years. What it will happen is that um, you know, like you'll only you'll only maybe observe absorb, I should say, maybe eighty percent of that. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then, you know, but by that time, this person is teaching as well. Right. Perhaps they have their own academy. Hard to right. say, hard to right. say, right? And they codify their own, you know, they recodify their material and it's shrunk. You're and absolutely then it goes right. On and then it's shrunk again and then it's shrunk again and then it's shrunk again. You're absolutely right. You know? And and you're, you're 100% right. And especially, I think, when people don't fight. Right. And this is why, right. you know, MMA was such a, a big thing. It's like, whoa, there's so much we don't know. Well, you know, honestly, in karate, because I, I came from originally as a karate background, um, karate had grappling. People, like, mostly stand-up, not ground. But there's stand-up grappling. There's uh, Okinawan grappling melded in with the striking. And the same thing with boxing. People don't realize that Marquis de Queensbury removed stand-up grappling from boxing. So you, you're absolutely right. This is a process, whatever the reason, whether it's sport eyes or just the natural d- diminishing knowledge base. Um, the the arts I found in the 80s when we were training, because we're the same generation, had been so diminished to what they originally were. And and it, it's, it's, it was, yeah. It, when you when you come back and fight, you're like, oh, crap, I need to know this. Yeah. In, in this, yeah. I, I thoroughly agree with you. In this, I think it's a um, it's a lack of understanding of what you're actually looking at, mm. because um, if you don't if you lack that context, as you say, fighting uh, in any sort of any sort of application, right? right. That, that's what's missing, um, because that mentorship has been stripped away for you know practical reasons. Like, you know, like make no mistake. So wh- what you wind up with is it's like, well, I cannot say um, what's important. I can't you know like like. In, in what I see before me, yes, there are basics, there are fundamentals, etc. But there, there's much more than that there, that that's represented in you know like whatever crystallization you wanna you know you wanna discuss, right? So then you go, but I lack the fundamental context to determine what's important. I mean, just for me, much yeah. less other pe- other, other people, people right? I mean, right, I, right? I just I just don't know. So I only learn what kind of makes sense, you know, um, you know, maybe. Um, so the hence it's shrinking, you know. Um, but if you if you uh, put it back through the lens of application, then you realize that oh, what I'm looking at is not a, um, it's not like everything that I need to know, um, but rather it's uh, oh, you know what? This is where you start, right? Right. You know, and 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 the 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 extensiveness of certain curriculums and that's a challenge. That's like hey, yeah, you know what? You know, like you're supposed to, you know, okay, fine. You may not be great at everything, but you know what? This is, you know, th- this 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 is not the territory, but it is a map of um, like all the places that you, that you yeah, should yeah, go. Yeah, no, right? absolutely. It's interesting because when I was in judo, I had teachers tell me, and I was read. It's, it's fascinating. You know, it's funny because I just read an article about this last night, and um, it says, you know, I'm going to post it, Matt. I'm going to post it to to our thing. It, it's it's what judo can learn from MMA. That's the title of the article. And when I was taking judo, they're like, learn one or two big throws and then just learn a whole bunch of setups of it. And I'm like, just one or two? They're like, yeah, just one or two. That's it. That was my generation of judo in the early 90s where it was like, yeah, just focus on one or two big throws and there are ways to set up. You don't have to know the whole thing. Just focus on, on one or two throws. And that's you can't do that anymore. It's The game is too varied. You have to have – and you become a one-trick pony – and <clears throat> that's all we have. And so this guy, this judo teacher, and he's just talking about judo for the Olympics, right? Not, not, we're not talking judo for MMA or anything like that. Sure. But he's saying, no, you have to know the Mongolian style. You have to know the Korean style. You have to know the European style. 
Now the Russian style, the 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 leg pickups have been banned in judo, unfortunately. You know the the doubles and singles and things like that. But they would, if that were there, you'd have to know that too. You'd have to have a fa a, a facility in all these varied games, and maybe not be a master at each, but ha know the lay of the land. And he's like, this is what MMA is. It's like, okay, maybe you mastered a couple things here for sure. You need to master certain things, but you have to have a more a deeper understanding of a variety of, of, of things not not just a, not just a, um, a surface understanding but a real deep understanding of these all these other games and he's like look and the big big movement in judo now is Mongolian judo right it's Mongolian. still judo yeah it's wow. still judo but it's a style like it's not a different it's not a different art it's not a different martial art it's a way of approaching winning in the judo match and the Mongolians have their own their own martial art wrestling martial art. Um, and that usually feeds into sumo, but it feeds into judo too. So they have these variations of throws, particularly uchimata for the guys who, who don't know. But they do, the way they do the uchimata is totally different, and it's never been done like that in Japan before. And now everybody's like, "Oh, Mongolian uchimata! This is this is great," you know. Uh, and, it, and it's been around for about yeah, about ten years or so. And mm. Mongolians are a force in judo; they're a force. And they're really amazing. And then, of course, there's the Korean grip, which was a style of gripping that that's uh, used in the Korean judo fighters. And uh, and um, there's a European style, and then there was the Russian style, which I said was uh, was now the rules don't allow that anymore. But but even the Russian style has things that that are not just double legs and single legs. There's other stuff too, which is allowed. But every every country, every region has their own style. And the guy was saying, look, we have to have a facility in these different interpretations. And if we don't, you're 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 not going to win. And and I, I was like, wow, that's really fascinating because it's so different from the judo world that I brought in and so expansive. And I think it's indicative. And he titled the article, MMA, you know, we should learn what we should learn from MMA. And and I think MMA has changed martial arts. Even if you never do MMA, if you do, I don't know, judo or taekwondo, you're influenced by that MMA thinking now, which is a wonderful thing. It's expansive, application-oriented, um, and, and, and just say, hey, it's not enough to just be in our little corner anymore. And I, I think that's fascinating, and, and it, it stops that that um, I, you know isolation and diminishment of the art, which is why we have so many styles. Because you know, honestly, fighting is fighting. If we the rules of the universe or the, the planet Earth, gravity and you know momentum and things, inertia, these don't change. And you have two arms and two legs, so we're gonna basically fight the same. So why did styles exist? Because some one guy was good at this, and he just focused on this. And one guy was good at this, at kicking, and he focused on this. And they, then they, little by little by little by little, you know, got stuck in their own little silos. And MMA doesn't allow you to be stuck in your silo. You constantly have to reach out and learn ground fighting, learn clinching, you know. And you could see in Mir's fight, where you, you didn't see it in the, in the replay, but because um, uh, we, before the podcast started, we were just replaying the fight. But, but Fedor had a great judo setup. And judo's neglected. But I'll tell you, in five years, you know, people will know they will not be able to MMA. You can't be a successful MMA fighter in five years unless you have some significant judo. That's the way it's going to evolve, or MMA judo. You know, clinch or Greco, right? Real clinch, clinch, clinch game, and um, you can't stay in your own silo. So anyway, I just want to say that the point you brought up was was absolutely brilliant, and it it really resonated with something I just read last night. 
But I want to just scale back a little bit and ask you okay. to define, because there are a lot of listeners who've never done knife fighting or anything like that. Can you give us an overview of the Filipino traditions? Like, okay, you said there's no difference between a scream and Kali oh, oh, fundamentally. Oh, okay. But oh, so, um, can you give us a brief history of, of, the, of those traditions and, and how you fit into it? And, okay, and I okay. promise I won't interrupt anymore. I'll turn this mic off. Okay, okay, no <laughs> yeah, turn my mic off. Okay, no problem. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, well, I'll tell you what the uh, um, what is it the the history of the Philippines and the Philippine martial arts in general is like is you know, like long and long and varied. And um, what was it? And uh, I'm not going to uh, attempt uh, at, you know, anything. Uh, um, was it you know that consequential right here now? However, here's a brief overview. Um, the a lot of these family arts. Um, they claim to be tribal arts. Some of them are, some of them aren't. Some of them, who knows, okay? Mm, and you think of them these days marketed largely as, like, uh, you know, stick-oriented, knife-oriented, uh, you know, blade-oriented, you know, like, uh, you know, arts, okay? And there are a variety of terms for them. Um, honestly, these, when, I, when I said these terms were made up, um, it's primarily because they were trying to differentiate their martial arts from, um, you know, Japanese martial arts, etc. A lot of these arts heading, becoming commercial, as it were, um, was relatively recent, as you might expect. So the yeah. names Kali and Eskrima didn't exist maybe 50, 60 years ago? Yeah, they, were, they, they just weren't that common, from what I understand. Mm-hmm. They, uh, you know, like in, in, in point of fact, when um, was it, when the uh, uh, a lot of the Philippine martial arts first became commercial, they were marketed as like combat judo, you know, you, so oh, something, something yeah, along those lines. Yeah. Because it was just like, you know, well, you know, it's martial arts. I mean, you know, what do we do? Okay, fine, all right, judo, you know, maybe. Right. And... Um, but uh, these, but these arts, um, they had their, they had their origin in certain like like indigenous arts. Right. You know, um, a lot of them though were, um, was it, they were kind of like reconfigured. Uh, I guess you'd call them actually mixed martial arts, because they they were grave, greatly influenced by like, um, you know, the, the arts of, um, like, the people of the time. Right. You know, karate, judo, right. etc. And the Japanese occupation of the Philippines, I'm sure, had some some influence. It did in in Korea. Yeah. It did in Taiwan. Yeah. And, you know, the, the, the cultural ex, uh, osmosis. The uh, was it the, there's no, the arguments have been have been made that um, the uh, you know the these indigenous Filipino arts, where, you know, with stick fighting, blade fighting, etc. You know, um, when they were you know like they absorbed material from all over the place, like you know like the, the Spanish, for instance. Right, right. Um, and um, and I would say that. Uh, I, like I said, I'm not a historian in that regard. However, in terms of just the, uh, like the Philippine martial arts that I've studied, um, clearly uh, there were, you know, there were outside influences, you right. know, um, a little bit of fencing. Um, clearly some, like some Japanese martial arts, you know, like I even, even jiu-jitsu, you know. Right. Um, was it, and, you know, but they, they had their own, uh, had their own take. On uh, uh, was it you know, like on, on weapons fighting? Right, and and is is it mostly traditionally machete based or sword based or short knife based or stick based? Like, and, and in a general sense, obviously each martial art is different. But well, uh, uh, was the uh, like okay. karambits are, are are Indonesian, right? They're not Filipino. They're, right? they're also seen in Filipino martial oh, arts, oh, they but okay. they're but yeah, but they're Indonesian. <laughs> That's for mm-hmm. sure. Um, depending on the uh, you know, depending on the family. Yeah, you know, you have a variety of different, uh, you know, different blade types. You know, um, it was it the Dikiti, uh, the Dikiti Tersha, Dikiti Tersha families. They're like they're from the Visayans, um, so they ha- they're 
they have like that's the, the name of the family. Yeah, uh, no, that's the that's the area where the they're area. from. Okay, the area where it. they're from. So the they have these like uh, I've seen like uh, Chris knives, you know, like those wavy blade things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is, But uh, for the most part, where you know we're talking about uh, like real fighting swords, which kind of sort of look like farm implements. You know, they they right. they kind of look like machetes, yeah. but they're not. Not they're a little you longer. Know? Oh well, well, what it is is that. Yeah, they're you know like they they have these like the stabbing points etc. Uh-huh. But they they look like machetes, but they're not farm implements. You know, um, yeah. you know, farm implements are farm like implements. like a gladius or something. Uh, yeah, it's, it's single edged. Yeah, you know, yeah, etc. You know, um, but yes, you know, same idea. Uh, similar mm, similar dimensions. The gladius is mainly a stabbing weapon. More on that later. Uh, but um, um, but these things are like you know cut and thrust, etc. You know, and. Um, and everybody and, and everybody over there's got a knife, right? You know, just just because you come from a, a relatively uh, rural culture and you need one, yeah. You know, so yeah, it's yeah. not like a, you know, yeah. um, and everybody's got sticks because um, you know, like, like you want, you know, you, want, you live you know, in a forest. You live in the forest, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, you know or, or you know, you live in a jungle, etc. Yeah. These are you know, like, these are common things. And and I'm going to ask you. So I see a lot of talk, like the Sayak Kali guys, who say we won't do sticks. Or this or that, like, what is the the, the well? The, well, the, well, I would say you no. Know, well, yeah. I would say this. Um, certainly, uh, there are arts that uh, they the sticks. Um, they are safety stand-ins for swords. Okay, um, Dakiti and Prakiti Tertia claim this as well. All right, as well as uh, you know, say a colleague, claim, you know, claims. So and it's you know like what? a shinai, basically. It's right, 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 right exactly. So hence the. Uh, um, you know, hence the the rattan oh, stick. I mean, right. even though it can really ding you up, right? Um, that you're is, not dead. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> that is the safety equipment. Right. You know, um, and um, I, I think it's largely true. There are, there are uh, uh, you know the techniques that um, was it that that are that are trained that are shown. Um, they they are not necessarily club techniques. You know, there's mm-hmm. a little bit of uh, there's a little bit of overlap, but uh, they they are you know they're definitely like like cutting techniques that are shown, and of course. Um, you need an actual cutting implement in order to be able to do it to its full degree. You know, right, slice right, things. Right, you know? right, right. And there we go. I think part of the part of the idea, perhaps, is that all right, fine. You know what? You, know, you you've got machetes. You 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 grew up. Uh, you know, you grew up in a rural area. Um, you know, like if you're not a farmer, you're certainly clearing brush all the time. You know how to cut stuff. Here, let me show you some targeting. Let me show you some. You know, right, uh, right, you, right. Know, you know, you know, etc. Yeah. So, um, so. Uh, do the do those guys like let's say Sayak, you know, do they um, was it do they have uh, stick techniques? The answer is yeah, sure. Uh, in, in point of fact, one of the one of the first uh, stick tournaments I ever went to was a Sayak tournament. <laughs> and uh, yeah, for, yeah, for the guys who don't know, <laughs> Sayak <coughs> are a famous family of, of oh, yeah, American yeah. Filipinos who yeah. who uh, train a lot of from people in movies and things like that. Right, oh, right, yeah. right. You're right, yeah. right, indeed. That was a. Uh, I, I will say that when I when I went to that tournament, my God, that was a long time ago. Was that in Jersey? No, I, no, that that was in New York. Uh, oh no, kidding! Because no, yeah, yeah, they have yeah. a big tournament scene now in Jersey, yeah, right? They have for a sticks, right? Yeah. yeah, but um, I remember a bunch of us went. Uh, this was back when I was at the New York Martial Arts Academy, and um, it was like, okay, fine, we're going to armor you up. You know, uh, it was lighter armor than the than the full on like dosi pares, like you know. Uh, you know, like helmet, you know, like face helmet and all that other deal. But, um, was it? And uh, uh, was it? You could use the sticks, but you could also punch, kick, and throw. That was uh, oh yeah, great. Yeah, that, oh, so that, it's like the dog, what the dog brothers yeah, do. Not not quite the. Uh, was it? We had armor. Uh, right. The dog brothers. The oh, armor, they go. The they armor, go bare. The armor. No, no, they they still have fencing masks. Um, but uh, 
like and gloves and what have you but uh, you know like the, the the body armor has largely been removed we uh, we went in with um, was it we went in with padded armor uh, but we were still uh, you know, we still punch kicked and threw. Oh, that's great! And um, I remember um, this, this was hilarious. Uh, the first time I, the first time I ever got like like uchimata, was at at, at that, that tournament. <laughs> at that tournament, the guy like yeah, you know, the, the the guy grabbed me with with like basically like he wrapped up my arm. Right. And right. Then, I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> I don't want to interrupt, and I, please don't turn my mic off, Mike. <laughs> but you know, it's funny because what's the origin of uchimata? Um, and we talk about. I want to. I want to just segue a little bit away you know the Waffle House shooting recently there was a and and, and the movie just came out about the French guy the French shooting that was stopped by two um, Marines or on the train yeah on the train right right and and you notice almost every case where a um, active shooter is stopped he's stopped with grappling Oh yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, always because you, I mean it's not like I mean I'm sure there's some sniper somewhere who shot guy, but it's not like a guy gets knocked out when he's holding a gun. You grapple with him, and almost always the guys who are successful had some jiu-jitsu training or, or judo training. Um, un- uh, um, a personal acquaintance of mine, mm-hmm. he was on the, t- the airplanes in 9/11. Um, Jeremy Glickman, and he um, <clears throat> he was a judo man, and they he was one of the people responsible for stopping the plane from crashing into into DC. You know the one that you know, right, um, right. and uh, and obviously you don't know what happened, but he's a judo guy. He's you know he I'm sure he clinched with the guy, and um, um, you know that's how you stop weapons. You clinch with them, and if you look at the I, I'm a historian of Japanese martial arts. If you look at a lot of the anti-sword uh, combat, guy takes a swing at you, your sword breaks, you wrap up his arm. And you uchimata him or haragoshi him. Right. That's the yeah. origin of that throw. And then you, yeah. and then you get yeah, him on the ground. There you go. You get him on the ground. <laughs> then you, you take your short knife out and stab him through the yeah. eye socket. So yeah, no, well, well, actually, no. It, it is interesting because we didn't have a. Uh, was it, you know, this, this is just a stick term. It's not like yeah. you had some you know like yeah. knife in your yeah. pocket. So what he would do is he took the uh, 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 the butt of his stick, you know, the puño, and yeah. started hitting and you. Started hitting me in the head. <laughs> oh, with that the, sucks. Yeah, it sucked. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, no. Unfortunately, I, I was wearing a helmet, but it was like I, you know, it was like ting 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 ting. You know, that, that, that metal sound, and then and my helmet was like a giant. Did they score? Points or for that or it, it, it was it was a uh, it was interesting it was an eight point must system so it was right. a lot like it was a lot like, like boxing yeah, it was right. like boxing etc so when he got the takedown um you know like uh, you know I was already eight ten it was you know like I was already nine ten you know yeah. I was already down so I was like oh man what am I gonna do <laughs> but you know it was um but it was my first uh, uh it was my first tournament of that type and I remember I remember I remember pulling off the what helmet. year was that oh this gosh what like ninety ninety three oh wow wow a long time so ago. it was like, yeah. a long time ago yeah. And um, I remember pulling off my helmet, and I kind of like um, it was like they gave me a bottle of water. I go, you know, like a, I, I took half a swig and had to spit it out all over the floor because it was just like you know, I was, you know, you know, like yeah. you know, heart racing and yeah, et cetera. Yeah. So. <clears throat> but um, you know, no, that was uh, that, that was a lot of fun. I have to admit. Yeah, I, was, I love rule systems like that fun. that are are so expansive. And I, I posted something on um, on the Martial Culture podcast page. Well, it was about a few months ago. But did you see the Australian company that's building that tech suit? Where they can do MMA with swords and stuff, but they have this modern tech suit and they they score like what would be a like a you know uh, death blow you know, but obviously nobody's dying. So it's like a, a, a suit, sort of like fencing. I, I, I've ac- I've actually seen the uh, the video uh, right. Yeah, I've, yeah, actually yeah, yeah, seen, yeah. I've actually seen the video, and I think um, unfortunately the the footage that they showed was a was not a good um, example of how that suit right, should have right, should right. have been utilized. Yeah. And the thing is they were they were unclear uh, because um, 
they basically was like, all right, fine. This was showing like the it, possibilities. You, the possibilities. Exactly. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No. Yeah. But you know, don't feel sorry for me. That company has uh, actually got a, a military contract now. Oh, does it? Oh, yeah. Sure. So they they actually just post on their Facebook page that we're well, not I stand corrected. Yeah, they, they're not they're not actually gonna put anything out there because they they got some them big military contract to to be like a, a hand high tech hand to hand combat training tool. They're making Iron Man. Aren't yeah, they? yeah. Basically, yeah. That's it. But right. it's a suit that would like okay, this would be a stab to the heart, and you're dead. You know, like you you would know, and it keeps track of. You know, like in fencing, where you you hit the the electronic button. Oh yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah, so the suit does protect you, but at the same time, it tells you when you got killed without you actually getting killed, which is actually really good. You know, like okay, oh, hit in the neck. Okay, this would have killed me. Okay, I'm out. You know, like be great for video games. Let's exactly. Do it. <laughs> no, that that was that was the original thing. It was like let's one will have a combative like UFC type tournament, but also the idea could be like. You know, you get in with your friends and play like a game. You know, like when nobody gets and hurt. Laser tag. Yeah, laser tag. Exactly, exactly. And and I, I'm not going to show all for that as long as people aren't getting hurt. And that was the, the sure. thing. But you're right. The original promo video was not as as yeah. you know great. You know, obviously it was choreographed, but still, it was. I thought it was pretty cool. But um, but I, I'm all in for. I'm all in favor of these tournaments and these. You know, like let's. I don't see MMA as the rules of the UFC. I see it as a movement that is incorporating, encompassing many martial arts. It's like. Let's cross train and train in minimal rules scenarios. And the Dog Brothers, we mentioned before, the listeners are not familiar, Dog Brothers are an offshoot of the JKD organizations that do weapon MMA training, basically. Yeah. Yeah, if you can explain the dog oh, yeah, brothers. Oh, yeah, yeah, sure. Uh, the, yeah, the, yeah, the dog brothers um, was it? Uh, it was started up by Mark Denny, among others. Yeah. Um, you know who? Uh, the, and these guys were from the Inosanto Academy, and um, what you know what these guys did was it was it started off as like a like, from what I understand, is a weekend get together, and they were curious as to hey yeah you know all of these. Filipino martial arts moves that we've learned, all these intricate moves, etc. Okay, would they actually work if somebody right. you know coming after you, you know, like like for real, real to real time? Yeah. And they started experimenting with that, and their material was well. Number one, um, the results of their uh, experiments were you know for like the a lot of the Filipino martial arts techniques that they knew they were uniformly disappointing. Right. Um, you know, like it just didn't work. Yeah. You know, and then it's like okay, fine. You know what? Um, let's take what we know. Um, and we'll start from scratch, and then we'll start building up because it's like first and foremost, what if somebody's going to swing at you really, really hard? You know, then then we shall, you know, then we shall see. And, it's um, UFC then, one all over again, yeah. right? You know, okay, we think this this move works, but oh wait, it didn't. Yeah. Okay, let's re revamp. I, I I will say that part of that, of course, is um, always it looking at. And, and, and in no way am I suggesting that these guys, you know, that, that I know technically more than these guys. These guys are these guys are very, very, very well. Um, uh, was it uh, you know well researched? But I th- I've actually I, I, I actually met Mark Denny. He's a jiu-jitsu yeah. guy too. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. he knows the stuff. But but, but I will say that um, uh, was it a lot of a lot of these things stem from the fact that uh, you know the moves like the moves that you're practicing in a like let's say in a more like technical martial arty uh, aspect, they're like they need context. You know, yes. and if you don't have context, then it's like you're gonna try to you're gonna try to like uh, you know use an orange when you should be using an apple, as it were, and um, and it's and you are, you are guaranteed to be disappointed. You know, it's like because it was not designed to be used here. You know, and and, uh, and if you you read my listen to my podcast, we have a podcast called Context is King, and that's mm-hmm. that's you know there's so many martial art moves we say oh this doesn't work this doesn't work, but it, it was developed in a in a specific context. So in that context, Aikido could work. 
where you're wearing armor and someone you're on a battlefield, you're not mobile. You, you don't have to worry about getting punched in the face. Okay, the armor makes you less mobile. Okay, some of these wrist lock techniques are possible, but in the modern world, the context is different. And you know, you're a Wing Chun practitioner, and a lot of people say, "Oh, Wing Chun doesn't work." But well, you know, given the context of origin, maybe maybe it is more functional. And also, that being said, one of the top kicks now, the oblique kick, is actually taken from the Wing Chun art. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, and and I would say the hammer fist, which was a top traditional martial art, does not exist in boxing, was at one point the most common strike in MMA. You know, hammer fist on the ground, and and so everything is about context. You're right. So anyway, yeah. I don't mean to. Oh, I was, no, no, just, I was <laughs> just just waxing Wing Chun just to, just briefly. A um, oh, was it a uh, uh, was it one of my uh, classmates who who is a who is now a Wing Chun instructor in his own right. Um, this was like I think like two years ago. Um, his you know, or maybe maybe a little while behind that, but he he was like yeah you know what I think we can use this like uh, you know as they call it an oblique kick you know you know um, and, and I was like yeah you know like why not. You know what I mean? And he's like, you know, like, you know, start kicking, blah, blah, blah. And, um, and, and then sure enough, you see this video of John Jones, like, oblique kicking these guys, like, knees into, yeah. uh, like, like, it's you know, amazing, like, yeah. you know, like, basically he's dusting that guy's uh, knee joint. And I was like, wow. And, okay. and Thai boxers copied MMA, mm-hmm. although I don't think anybody re- admit it, but yeah. you see Thai boxers doing it. Thai boxers did not do this 15 years ago. Like yeah, you, the yeah. first time you saw it. Yeah, I've, I've seen te- I've seen teeps against the knee, against the thigh, etc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that's very. But common, also but just I... the oblique kick too. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They they did not do that yeah. twenty years ago, yeah, and yeah. now they're doing it. So obviously there's a dissemination of what works to every arm, and right, that's what yeah. I that's what I love. It's like okay, you say it works, let's try it, you know. And then if it's the right context, it will work, you know. But um, okay. Greg, uh, another thing is I want to just talk about um, because you're really interesting, you're experiences and you so much knowledge in the um, Western knife tradition, Eastern knife traditions, how they're different and and, and going back and what, what you what are the Filipino traditions are um, oh, okay well, you know and, and, and what, what do you see it's interesting because I, I read this uh, I, I researched this book I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with the Talhoffers you know Schwabian um, combat fighting system you know it's it's, it's a, a, a 16th century book. On 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 sword fighting, right. and I use that as a basis to re- as a, as a basis in my in my grad work, to to kind of uh, uh, look at Japanese warfare in in a, in in a, in, a, in a comparative context, right? Sure. Yeah. So looking at this this manual of, of Eastern Eastern swordsmanship and, and has grappling in it too a lot, um, a lot of like grappling against a knife. But but I, I'm I'm interested in you know in this movement of historical uh, European martial arts and uh, abbreviated HEMA is huge now and you have that fencing background I know you're you're so knowledgeable on this just just touch on like I would like to broadly go over what you what you see as you know um, this is what what I see as the Filipino tradition this are my experiences in the Western sport tradition could be in the fencing tradition. And, and, and just an overview for it. And remember, our listeners have some of these that have no Kali or, or, or Scream or knife fighting experience. But just how you see that world, for those of us who are more in the unarmed world, like what, what, what do you see the movement and, and how they, they, they historically are different or the same? Or well, well, what I'm I, just well, interested in your take. And it could be well, anything. You know? well, well, what I would say, well, what I would say is this. If you're talking about martial arts, um, to a certain extent – um, all martial arts, and, and and by this, you know, you can you can see the little like R next to the martial arts, right? You know, <laughs> that that have been um, uh, disseminated for uh, um, you know public consumption. They're they're largely the same. What do I mean by that? Um, what I mean is that they're more than calisthenics, okay? But you're but what you have are you have these like the what I would term energy drills, 
you know, um, um, it's not re- it's not really just a dance. There there are combative applications, but uh, a, a lot of flow the, drills. Yeah, flow they're drills. flow. Yeah, basically yeah. they're flow yeah. drills. Yeah, yeah. That, that's that's an excellent term. Yeah, they're they're basically flow drills. Um, flow is important, you know. But if you think about it, what the flow means is that you know, um, it's like at the end of the day when you want to hurt somebody or okay, fine, let's say stop someone. Okay, that's when the flow stops. Yeah, I mean, he's you know like the flow is stopped because he's been st- he's been he's stopped. been stopped. He's been yeah. stopped right? yeah. <laughs> so um, so hence um, yeah, of course you want to be able to flow back and forth, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But then uh, you know like but then a lot of the a lot of what actually happens is when the when the flow is changed, when the um, you know like that that thing is broken. Okay, that being said, um, what you'll find is that uh, all martial arts are like this because. Um, Especially, I think, if you're talking about weaponry, um, you know, this is the 21st century, and and for the most part, people don't really come at each come after each other with long swords, right, right, or right, spears, right. or 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 what have you. Um, so even if an instructor, uh, via his own experience, or via the uh, you know via the experience of his teacher, okay, had a view on let us say what it is to like break somebody's face with a stick, you know, or to you know, like, or put the knife in, you know, as as it were. Okay, um, these are things which they probably wouldn't put in their martial, you know, like in their martial arts teachings. You know, um, it's not something which uh, uh, you know, it's not something that you really see outside of a sport context where I'm going for a touch, let us say. Okay, um, I've been uh, you know, like studying these arts for for quite a while. But the you know, but the first thing, but I'll be the first to admit. Guess what? I've never had to come after somebody uh, with with a weapon and hurt them. You know, like specifically, right, right. To, you know, to need to hurt them. I mean, that's not my that's not my personal experience. Right. Um, and well, you I haven't would, you haven't been on, on a battlefield. Yeah, exactly. And, and you yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm yeah, not, right, yeah. Exactly. I'm not exactly. I'm not a soldier. Yeah. I'm not an LEO. Yeah. Um. I, I you know I don't I don't pretend to be. Okay. And it was and and here's the and, and here's the other thing. Um. It was I th- I think that like. Let's say I did have that experience outside of those, outside of those two contexts. Okay, I think I would be loath to discuss it. Right, uh, well, that's you know, true. I mean, I'll use this as I'll use this as an example. Um, uh, my uh, a very good friend of my a friend of my father's. You know, I always called him Uncle Cal. Okay, guy was a jackass. All right, um, and I never real I never understood why my dad was such good friends with him. And I found out that um, in the uh, uh, this was like the late '60s, uh, he and Uncle Cao got into this like got into this fight out in Chinatown, and Uncle Cao saved his life. And he took a knife. He, he took a knife from my dad, and it was something they never discussed for obvious <laughs> for obvious reasons. You know, you know, and um, it was like you know, oh, so that's why they're that's why they're br- that's why they're brothers. <laughs> <If> somebody <laughs> oh takes god. a knife for you. <laughs> you, you, don't, you don't that, that's that. why my god, that's why they're brothers. You yeah, know, oh, yeah. shoot, you know, so, yeah, exactly. You know, Uncle Cao, jackass, but he still saved my dad's life. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, it's one of those things where, outside of those contexts, it's like, you know, what, what are you showing people? Right. Yeah. I mean, what, what exactly are you teaching them? Um, so hence, hence the flow drills. Interesting. You, you know, know I, I, you know, judo is the same way, and we we said we there's a defanging to be more socially uh, conscious. So let's teach something that's not calisthenics. A little more than that. It's a combative sport, but we're not showing things that can really 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 uh give knowledge to people that's going to be 
um, not positive for society. And 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 I, there was a, there was a there was a Chinese martial artist, and he's kind of an idiot, but but he said something about critical of the Gracies, and he's like, you know, I hate MMA and I hate the Gracies. And and I'm like, hmm, okay, let me watch this. Let's, let's see what this guy has to say. You know, and he's kind of an idiot, but I think you know the guy I'm talking about too, right? He's the, he's Asian American. He's long hair. Anyway, um, anyway, but he's, he's he, but, he, but he said something that was actually kind of kind of true. He's like, now even idiots know how to fight. <laughs> and and it's you know there was a guy you know he they they, they there was a guy attacking a police officer in a, it was a video I posted. Um, not on the martial culture page, but a different page. He's it's in, in in Australia, and the cop is trying to arrest him, and he's like bobbing and weaving and throwing punches, and he clinches and does a beautiful Kosotogake outside trip, and like wrecking the cop. Thank God the cop had backup. Man, if it was just that cop and that and that perp, the cop would have been dead. And you're like, whoa, yeah, this isn't. A jerk head, jackass who knows how to fight. That is a terrible thing for to have in society. You know, <laughs> not good to, not good to teach jerks how to fight. And and MMA is sometimes kind of doing that. Um, I, I, my answer to that is this: um, I can't be responsible for anybody other than myself and my students. And I'll do my best to be to prepare them to be good people and good fighters. And then outside of that, I can't control the world. But uh, but it's interesting yep. you say that because I think that was Kano's observation too. It's like let's defang the arts a little bit yeah. to be more socially conscious. So, but uh, but go ahead, just but, keep okay, going. Okay, so, but but just to continue. So yeah. So outside of those, uh, out, you know, like basically, you know, Elio, etc. Yeah. You know, like uh, soldier context. Um, how do you then get a, a window in on? Like the real application of this, and you're and you're left with a, you're left with a sportive application, you know, um, and that's, uh, you know, like there there are those who have a very dim view of such things. Um, I, I do not. I'm they're like, well, yeah, you know, hey, given that, uh, given that, I'm neither a soldier nor a policeman, um, and uh, uh, yeah, but I want a window on this, um, and and part of that win- part of that window comes from uh, I've been lucky. Uh, some of my teachers, you know, like you know, they they've had direct experience, you know, um, you know, they were soldiers, you know, right, right. you know, etc. But um, it was a but but not me. So it's like okay, so so how do I, you know, how do I uh, get a window on this? And how you get a window on this, I think, is is via, you know is via different kinds of um, uh, competition, you know, uh, or I should uh, I I should uh, uh, rephrase that different kinds of sportive application. So what'll happen is that yeah sure you know you you run the scenario where it's like the guy doesn't want you know he he, he doesn't want you to succeed right um, he's doing everything in his power to make you fail you know and usually this uh, takes the form of some kind of dueling system yeah you know um you know hence uh, you know, hence back when I I did fencing what I didn't realize at the time was the rule set uh, for fencing. Um, largely came from the concept of, all right, fine, I'm training you to fight a civilian duel, all right, right, uh, right. you know, with, uh, you know, like, like some weapon, mm-hmm. all right, and I, as your teacher, say, hey, you know what, you must always defend yourself first, because otherwise it's going to be double strike, which means that, yeah, you know what, you're both, right, you know, both guys are headed to the, uh, to the hospital or, or worse, yeah, yeah. Oh, exactly, yeah, exactly, so it's like, you know, and, with that concept, it's like, okay, well, you know what? We're going to develop a rule set points where it's like, if you don't defend yourself first, guess what? You're he, dead. Yeah. Oh, what happens is 
he gets the point and you don't. Right. You know, um, you know this this is purely observing the uh, the sportive rule set. Okay. Clearly, there's and that's a lot, Western fencing. Yeah, that's Western fencing exactly. And clearly, the, there's a lot more to it than that. Right. You know, yeah. and, and what is the rule set in yeah. Filipino martial martial arts in well, competitive what, settings? Well, what happens is that um, they they have a couple. Um, the uh, was the there's one that I was exposed to that is very much lo- very much like Western fencing, which is a lot like uh, uh, you know like like you know the point system from karate, where it's like oh you know what. Um, you uh, uh, was it the person who strikes first gets the point, etc. Um, but uh, most of this, most of the rule sets and systems that I've been exposed to, uh, there is some kind of they're like a continuous fighting, so it's close to an eight point must system, right? Like right. like in boxing, okay. And you can kind of do that because you've got the sticks and the armor and different with swords. You go from there exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. different with swords. Where it's like you know what halt, you know like halt, attack, counterattack, right. this side goes, boom, etc. It still points, and ultimately anyone will game that system. You know, what I mean, where yeah, I mean, after yeah. all, you're an athlete. You know, you're 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 looking to improve your record. You know, why wouldn't you? You know, do X, Y, and Z. So I think that um, with that idea fully in place, I think it is uh, um, it is really the the responsibility of the people who develop these formats to say, okay, fine. You know what? I want to preserve a like like some kind of martial aspect to this sport. Okay, let's do this. You know what? Everybody who goes in to get like a, you know double shots, um, no points. You know, like no, like, like like in fencing. I, I I happen to like that rule because um, it means that you must you must hit and not be hit in return. Right. right you know, right. if yeah, I mean, okay, fine. Some people are like I, I remember there, this is one fellow um, from uh, from my team. He was he was bl- uh, was it was Andre. He was bl- blindingly fast. Okay, he could hit you, and he could be out of range, you know, before you before you could counterattack. But um, he even he could be timed, you know. So it's like, hey, yeah, that's right. You want to play that game? Sure, you know. But um, let's let's see you do this in a more orthodox fashion. Make sure that he can't hit you first before you hit him, right. you know. Um, and that is, and that, uh, to my mind, that kind of concept, that martial concept, can be applied um, to more than just. Uh, you know, like like you know, basic fencing. Yeah, yeah. It sounds yeah, like Ellie Gracie Jiu Jitsu. First, don't lose. <laughs> yeah, there you first, go. don't yeah. lose. Then he'll get tired, and you can counterattack. Right. But first, don't lose. Yeah. Well, the, <coughs> well, defense first. Interesting. Yeah. I, I mean, the, well, I mean, the the idea here from fencing and <coughs> and, uh, you know, and and to certain Filipino martial arts um, rule sets is that if his weapon is in line, in other words, you know, like guess what, I'm threatening you. All right. Um, you must do something about that. You can't just ignore it and rely and rely on things like blinding speed or you know just raw guts in order to be able to uh, in order to be able to score first, okay? Because hey, yeah, that's just that, that's just bad practice. You know, yeah. they can't can't have that happen. We got to do something else. Um, okay, fine. Uh, and uh, and once again, the it gets a little bit more um, murky. When you're talking about non-edged weapons training, um, as an example, the uh, uh, the Sayak tournament that I mentioned previously um, was it uh, was it that is uh, closer to boxing? Yeah, you know, hence um, not not a particularly good representative of um, edged weapons training. You know, um, same thing with uh, I, I did a bunch of uh, Dusty Paris tournaments back in the day. And, and that, Dusty Paris oh, is... Oh, that, that, yeah. is another, that is another, uh, was it, a, you know, Filipino martial art, a fairly famous one. 
Um, I never I never studied it. Uh, I know some people who did, um, uh, but they cover this. They cover similar aspects: single stick, double stick, uh, you know, stick and dagger, etc. Uh, the the arts all tend to be uh, you know quite expansive in that way. And um, there was just a single stick tournament, and the rule set was essentially another eight point must system. But there, I'm sorry to say, uh, the realism started to go out the window because they would do these fanning strikes. Uh, I'll show it to you, you know, someday. And, but um, basically, they would whirl their sticks around very, very quickly, and they would try to um, hit you as many times in, in just a few seconds as possible. And make no mistake. Like Kyokushin w- tournaments. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, And I, for the listeners who don't know, Kyokushin is, is a very powerful martial arts. Great. I'm not just... But basically what you do is you stand in front of the guy yeah. and you play rock and sock and robots. Yes, exactly. exactly. <laughs> like, do that. that is okay, not do. really smart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I, mean, I mean, make no mistake. Getting, you know, like like getting knuckles to the rib cage or or getting like these fanning strikes to your head and, and the rest of your body. No fun. That That's for certain. But um, in the end, these things tend to fall apart when somebody decides, well, you know what? I've had enough of this. And either number one, as you mentioned as you mentioned a little bit earlier in this discussion, I'm just going to wrap you up and bring you down, all right, which is fairly natural. Or um, I'm going to get tired of rock'em, sock'em robots, and uh, I'm going to go for overhand right and try and clip you on the jaw. But I'm just, I'm just tired <laughs> Yeah, I'm just tired of uh, like like all of these uh, you know all of these strikes, which which make no mistake are dangerous and they hurt. But uh, uh, I want it to be over, you know. So bang, yeah. Um, there we go. That, that, that's you know how are we doing on time? By the way, we are uh, about four minutes left until okay, we have to yeah. start wrapping. So yeah. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. Wow, we've been speaking that, that long. Yeah. My goodness. It was a great conversation. I just want to one touch on one um, uh, great, really awesome information here, and, and I think a lot of our listeners are not weapons-based guys, so it's nice to get a different perspective. And it's so interesting to hear those commonalities. But one thing I wanted, and you kind of touched on it. It's um, it's you know there's 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 the dueling. And then there's an actual, there's military combat, and then there's actual street assault. And I, I posted an article a little while ago where it was a, a guy who's a, a knife guy, and he said N- edged weapon defense and edged weapon combat are completely different. Meaning, if you're walking down the street, whether you have a weapon or not, the guy's going to jump you, and you're not going to be able to pull it out. You know, and he's probably going to stab you from an oblique angle. And he studied like a thousand videos and showed that I frame with one hand and shank you with the other, or put my my knife to your throat before you can even you know deploy your weapon. So yeah. like edge weapon defense in the civilian context versus dueling or military training where you're on the battlefield, you know, and you're, you know you have your weapon deployed because you're in a battlefield. Is you know they're they're totally different contexts. Well, well, you know, well you yeah. mentioned well you'd mentioned that um, you know like about you know context being all yeah. and and I I thoroughly agree with that um, a lot of what you learn in terms of we'll go back to like martial arts in, in particular weapons bearing arts you know Fili- even Filipino martial arts for that matter um, as it flow drills um, of energy drills of, of one description or another and they have to be understood in context as you say uh, if you're talking about uh, if you're talking about civilian like like a knife assault, you know, or, or you know, we'll call it, we'll call them counteroffensive, right? Yeah. Um, arguably, uh, there's like very little uh, overlap because, um, you know, like I, I'm of the opinion that if you if you're really serious about personal safety, um, the physical aspect of it is way down that curve. You know, you've um, 
oh, was it, uh, uh, you know, you're at, you're at the last like 10, 15% at that point. Yeah. In which case, what you, ac- what you actually bring to bear physically, um, I mean, it's important, don't, you know, of course, I'm, I'm a, you know, uh, you know it, technically, there, there, are, there are things that need to be um, uh, addressed, but there's a whole 80% of everything, <laughs> of everything right, else right. that's far more important. Um, but back to, te- but back to uh, our context just for a moment. So, yes, you know, you're, you're talking about uh, like something which, in, in this case, civilian assault. It's not, it's not a duel. It's not combat. It's um, basically, it's an ambush. Right, it's an right? ambush, it's, right, it's, exactly. It's, it's, it's assassination, yeah. as it were. Yeah. And arguably, there's no technique for that other than uh, the aforementioned, like, 85%. Yeah. That's what... That's what keeps you safe, yeah. not uh, not any specific physical. Movement. You know, you, you mentioned the sportive applications, and there's so many people in the combatants world who sneer on that. But and and yeah, it's not uh, assassination defense, but it, it I think it helps you develop you know understanding of your body in combat. Basically, you 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 understand how to use your body better, uh, and that can really really help you to survive. But what you do is different. You know, how you prepare is different. And But what I'm saying is, you know, I was doing the self-defense class yesterday with the, one of my students, and he's a good boxer. But he kept staying in range. And I said, I said, look, if I have a knife, get out of range. And he's like, oh, but I want to count you back. I'm like, dude, I have a knife. You have a fist. Get out of range. Your first thing should be survival, not thinking about, oh, I'm in a boxing match, and I have to stay boxing because I have to win this boxing match. And, you know, the the sport of training, while it's great to develop the timing and the reflexes and this, it sometimes makes you, makes you, you know, uh, think in ways that will hamper your survival. You know, and MMA too. You know, like if I'm in an MMA fight, I'm thinking I have to beat this guy in three rounds. But if I'm in a street fight and there's two guys, it's like I got to get away. I gotta, I gotta move to, I gotta, I gotta move to a safe zone, and you don't think about disengagement well, as much. I, well, well, I think that number one, um, martial, if you're talking about uh, self-defense and uh, counter-offense, yeah. number one, you're, yeah, yeah, whatever art you study, or uh, should address that to one extent or another. Yeah. Um, but I always like to look at it kind of like the, uh, like the Nike defense, but not just in terms of running away. Um, this is actually like something that was impressed upon me some uh, years ago by by one of my colleague instructors. Like, you know, if you can't do anything else, take a shoe off. Right. And uh, I was and put it on your hand. You know what I mean? It's like it it it's ridiculous. And yet, um, was it? And yet you got this thing. It's made out of leather and rubber. That's not your flesh. Yeah. Or your jacket or something. Yeah. Exactly. Improvised weaponry is key, yeah. right? Yeah. But I think the night defense is yeah, yeah run away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, improvised weaponry is key. It's absolutely distance management. Improvised weaponry. Um, and and survival, um, which is something you know you don't have to worry about dying for the most part in a boxing or an MMA match. I mean it happens, but most of that is is due to weight cutting or things like that. But you don't really have to worry about dying. We're in a street fight, you know, or count, you know, like a, a mugging or or an attempted you know criminal assault. You know, you you may not get out of there. So your priorities have to be completely different. And and what I have a problem with. Guys who train weapon arts, you know, whether it's or MMA too, but weapon arts is like they they just want to duel. They don't they don't back off. Like like you you have to you have to think of survival first. And and uh, you you know what most people train, and I said this before, is they they don't train self defense, they train ego defense because they're they're not worried about the actual like life threatening assault where a guy's like trying to stab you now. They're worried about like the guy making them look bad in front of a girl in front of a bar. You know, like that's what they're worried about, right? They don't want to look like a chump. 
so most people I find that train train any martial art, they're worried about embarrassment more than self defense, and like it's totally different. And now the 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 reflexes you get from training in a dueling context, whether dueling is MMA, whether dueling is you know the the stick tournament, can help you learn your body better. But you know what you want to do and to survive an actual life or death encounter can be should be very very different. Then um, I think the defense first aspect of what you were saying before in one yeah. term is really good. Yeah, I, no, I mean, I, th- I think that um, few people are going to know such things, and and thank goodness, right? You know, um, so it's not going to be something that um, uh, you know comes naturally. You know, it's not like oh wow, you know, yeah, that's right. I get I get jumped all the time. It's like that. No, of course uh, not. Yeah. It depends where you live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, exa- yeah, but exactly. Yeah. You know, um, and there, there's some who that that's a fact of life. Yeah, right, right. Okay. We were very lucky. We live in a in a yeah. relatively safe area. Yeah, yeah, you know? Exactly. You know, and uh, yeah. So I said by few. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Depends on where you live. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I grew up in a you know, middle class neighborhood, and uh, yeah, right, right. we don't have to deal with these issues, right? right. Yeah, right. I've been, yeah, I've been lucky that way. Um, so yeah, uh, you know, like if uh, uh, as you say, if if the first thing that you, if your first instinct. Uh, from uh, um, uh, you know, from encountering that kind of situation is to duel. Yeah, that's that has to be addressed. You know, yeah. that, that that definitely has to be addressed. Um, I don't think that the um, what was it? I I don't think that many uh, martial arts instructors would misrepresent themselves that way. But it is an easy thing to misunderstand. Yeah, you know, I think it's a mis- it's it's a very easy thing to misunderstand. I, I don't think I don't think that martial arts instructors intentionally misrepresent. I think they're they're so brought up in the dueling context. And this goes to MMA, goes to karate, taekwondo, whatever. We're so brought up in the dueling context, we only see that. Yeah, right. So we don't think about any other options. Like, okay, I'm training fighters. I train them to fight like this, and that's what I'm going to do in a street fight. Except, oh, it's not appropriate because the guy has, you know, a knife and two buddies. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and I instead of having this concentrated awareness, I need a diffuse awareness of my surroundings and and what's going on. And, and you know, I, I still think full contact, limited rules training, right? Meaning in a dueling context, is the best way to prepare your body for combat. But it is not combat. It is not self defense combat. It is it is dueling combat, which is different. Which more akin to being in a battlefield because you. Two armies go at each other and they're not retreating and you know you don't run away and you know th- there's a place for that but when you're when you're when you're ambushed when you're that victim of assassination you know like like we always talk about your your energy systems are at a low because probably you got sucker punched or stabbed so instead of being at a hundred percent you're at your, your your physical attributes are at maybe fifty or six forty percent who knows so you have to use that technique to to survive first. Escape or counterattack, and survive. Escape is first. Counterattack is second. You know, um, and and that's something that you know, especially when we the more ego driven academies that I've been to, it's always about like you know getting the tap out, not getting tap. You know, like engaging in the fight, and and yeah, that's this is a different me- mentality has to be shifted. You know, and 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 also. This is this is not a criticism of MMA, but you know some guys I know are very into concealed carry or something like that. I'm like, if a guy ambushes you, you're not. And the, the statistics prove it. A guy ambushes you, probably are not going to bring that weapon to bear, because he's he's going to get you when you don't have it or when it's in your pocket or you know he comes behind you and you you're unable to draw, you know, gun or knife or whatever, right? I I think yeah. that um, like I said, it, 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 it largely depends on 
on your neighborhood. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, the, the world, where you live in the world. The, 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 the right. world where you live in the world. But um, little, 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 let's assume for briefly that we're discussing, um, you know, that, that we're discussing, uh, uh, you know, like middle-class individuals, uh, uh, you know, living in and around, oh, let's say this area of New York City. You know, right. Like, right. Um, th- then it's like, then, then I would say that someone who, like, conceals carry to the point where it would make a difference um, yeah. yeah, that's uh, that's a bit overkill. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, that's a bit overkill. Yeah. Um, I think we we yeah. yeah. So so uh, my my uh, solution to not being caught off guard when I have my concealed carry, I just walk around with my gun in my hand. I'm <laughs> like ready in to Texas, go. Right? They all, go to Starbucks right, yeah, with their M16. I'm ready to yeah. go. But yeah, yeah. So I, I'm going to be the white blanket and put the uh, the end on the conversation. Please, Eugene. Please come back another time. Uh, I think we could spend another hour discussing yeah. all the intricacies of all this. We do have another uh, listener question. I don't know how they're getting through because we're not live. But we do have another <laughs> listener question real quick. From, okay. It's from Wade Wilson. Wade Wilson. Yeah, oh, good he, he wants to know, um, is it possible to uh, actually cut a bullet in half with a knife or a sword? Yes. yes. Uh, there's a video of a samurai doing it on uh, a, a modern day, uh, Martin, I should say, okay. the modern day uh, guy, they shoot a gun at him, he slices Amazing. the bullet in half. Well, thanks, thanks, Wade, for that message. And then <laughs> next week, um, I'll bring my gun, and you bring your knives, and we'll test it out. That's right. That's Beautiful. Right. I don't That's have right. a gun. Just the, for, the, cha- for the, cha- the challenge has been made. <laughs> uh, the call went through. Um, any parting words before we, we – No, uh, I just want to say thank you, uh, Eugene, for taking the wonderful time and having this great conversation. And I hope you come back too because, we, yeah, we just touched the surface of this issue. And and you're, you're so knowledgeable. You've trained so many different martial arts. It's great to have your perspective. Um, and people will realize Eugene's actually pretty freaking good at jiu-jitsu too and, and, and judo and, and striking. So, uh, yeah, yeah. Remember we talking about, yeah, talk about jiu-jitsu. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the guy's got the, the most evil mount. He's the <laughs> crasher on the mount you've ever seen. But uh, – very proud to call him my student, and thank you for making time to come here and having such a great discussion. And just shifting gears away from the sport of MMA, but like I said, the larger MMA way of thinking that I think is making all martial arts better. You know, just how we explore and cross-train and, and, and think about what we do. I, I think that, um, and, and, and this is something which, uh, uh, you know, like I'll, I'll end with, first and foremost, uh, thank you so much for uh, for inviting me. This was uh, the, this was a pleasure. Um, but, but secondly, uh, I think that you know, we can end on the on the concept that uh, the attitude and the training methodologies, which uh, which, you know, which MMA had brought to the fore, are like uh, those are the things which uh, have turned things around for a lot of people, myself included. I mean, make no, make no mistake, you know, make no mistake. These last ten years have been incredible. Uh, they, they they have indeed. Um, but with that, hey, th- thanks so much. Awesome, right. awesome. Thank you. Right. Thanks everybody for listening. Please uh, rate, subscribe, share the, sh- uh, the show on all your social medias. And uh, Conor McGregor still not in jail, so we'll keep that watch <laughs> yeah, going. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he's not in jail. <laughs> all right, we'll check you next time. Thanks everybody. <laughs> okay. Bye bye. Bye bye.